Hello, and welcome to the MS for Mama podcast. I'm your host, Abby Halberstadt, happy wife, mama to 10, Bible-believing Christian. On today's show, I want to talk to you about a question that I keep getting asked by mamas of all stages, ages, numbers of children, and that is, how is it that you're able to spend time with your kids? And they're asking this to me specifically, but I think that this could be asked to just about any mama around us that we see who is doing something different than we are, is in a different stage of life, has different activities or priorities or things that they're accomplishing. And it kind of strikes us as, hey, that's different than what I do. I don't understand how that works for her. Kind of, can I glean from it? How would this work for me? Will it work for me? And we just have all these questions swirling in our brains as moms. And I do have a podcast on comparison, and I talk about how it can be beneficial to say, hey, what's working for this person? To line up what's working for us against what's working for them and say, okay, these things overlap. I should keep doing that if that's the conclusion that we reach. Or, you know what? I just realized that something isn't working for me, and she's got a really good system for that. I'm going to use some version of that. We have a penny reward system that I've talked about multiple times before, and I hear so much good feedback from mamas who say that they have done a version of it, that they have adapted it for their own uses. And I'm always grateful when I hear about proactive mamas that are finding what works well for their families, that are tweaking systems that someone else has kind of put out there as an option, and instead of viewing it as a threat or as a prescriptive thing that you have to do exactly the same way. They just take something and run with it. I think that's that's really part of our jobs as mamas is to evaluate and like I've said before, eat the meat and spit out the bones. But what I'm specifically referring to today is a question that I got asked several times at a speaking event that I was at this past weekend. And it got me to thinking about how maybe telling you about my current life circumstances and how they're different than they were 5, 10, 15 years ago when I first became a mama might help to give you some perspective. If you're at a period in your life where you feel like you can't figure out how other people are doing what they're doing and doing it well, and especially if you're in a period in your life where you feel stuck, I've been there, where you feel like you are not thriving as much as you would like to, I've been there, where you feel like your time management is lacking, I've been there. And so I just kind of want to give you some framework for how we can look at other people's lives and take in what it is that they're doing well or observe what they're doing with neutrality even without the end result being that we feel inadequate or depressed or downtrodden or like a failure. So Again, I'm using myself as an example, but I have asked other people these similar questions. I have watched this happen with uh, people online in their comment section, asking them the same thing. How do you have more time in the day than I do? How do you get all these things done? You're so good at this and I'm not. It is the comparison trap, but I think sometimes it's not necessarily that this person is doing it with a goal of comparison and envy. They're just curious or confused or just looking for a solution for their own life. Now, I cannot guarantee you by any stretch that you will find a quote solution for your own situation in this podcast, but I think you will find perspective that is helpful. So the couple of people that asked me this past weekend at my speaking event, how in the world I was possibly 
able to come to a speaking event and sell merch for our shop. Um, Sean, my husband, my best friend, Lindsay, who illustrates my book, Emma's for Mama, and um, also draws all of the art for our art print and t-shirt business that we have. And I all run a shop called Paint and Prose together, and we have for, goodness, I'd have to think about the amount of years, but probably eight years. So that's your first clue, and that's gonna be something that I talk about. We have been at this for eight years. We have never been a raging success. We have never managed to launch this into a shop that can support both of our families, that is a lucrative source of income other than a side income when we have the bits and cracks of time to jam it into. Um, and if you follow me on social media and you've seen us do paint and prose launches, you'll notice that on our paint and prose um, social media, often we're pretty quiet on there in between launches. So what we can manage as a very busy couple who has 10 children and um, mama who has three children, we all homeschool um, and we all have multiple businesses that we do and multiple side things that we do. We have, we have lives just like you have a life. And um, just like anybody that you observe either face to face or over there in the church pew or at the park or online has a life and has all of these kind of jigsaw pieces that we have to figure out how to mesh into something that brings us peace and um, joy and productivity and uh, investment in our homes instead of that makes us feel fractured and like the pieces never come together. Now, it doesn't mean that we are always in a stage where the pieces are falling neatly into place or even that we're able to um, use hard work to push those pieces into place because sometimes it does seem like a season of ease and things are falling into place, like I said, or sometimes you feel like, hey, the Lord is asking me to actively pick up, as I'm using this extended metaphor, to pick up that jigsaw puzzle piece and make sure that it fits and press it down and really kind of put some effort and some diligence into this area of my life if this is going to work. Now, I'll talk a little bit more about forcing things as opposed to simply putting the effort in to actually take the piece and put it in its place. But for right now, I want to talk to you about the concept of gauging your current life situation against someone else's scenario that you kind of can't grasp without knowing the context for what it is that is confusing you. So when someone comes to me and they say, how are you able to travel and speak when you have 10 children at home? And how are you able to bring merch to this and sell it? How, how in the world do you run a shop on the side? I think what they're picturing is kind of like I was talking about, and I think it was in the comparison podcast, where they're picturing me with 10 two-year-olds and they can't even fathom the ability to leave the house when you have 10 two-year-olds at home, which of course the fact of the matter is that I don't have 10 two-year-olds. They're also probably picturing me having a shop that takes the amount of time that a full-time business takes, even though this is our very, very part-time business that we usually do, like I said, in launches rather than as a constant stream of income. They are also probably picturing this as something that I have just picked up and done and it's just happened and fallen into place as opposed to something that we have sort of done in, in patches in little pieces of time for over eight years and still are just doing very, very part-time. So 
I encourage you to view people's apparent success through a lens of realism or their apparent productivity or their apparent ability to do something that you can't fathom doing because it's kind of either not in your wheelhouse, not in your current lived experience, um, or it's part of a dream for you and it seems like it will never happen. So timing is so key. I only started doing speaking events pretty much with any level of consistency. I mean, I've just had a smattering of a few locally for the last two years, but significantly in the last um, six months. And that is because of the success of my book, Emma's for Mama, and people reading it and reaching out and asking me to speak at a homeschooling convention or at a women's conference or at a Bible retreat, you know, that kind of thing. Those are kind of the, the wheelhouse that I'm in right now. And even two or three years ago, this would not have been a good fit for our family. For one, I would have either been pregnant with or nursing newborn twins. Uh, right now, we are in the process of, I think we're on our last legs of nursing. I have two and a half year old twins now. I am not pregnant. I don't have more children in my immediate future. And so that is a unique situation for me to be in, in my parenting experience to have this kind of gap where I can take a breath and not have babies that aren't sleeping through the night or need to nurse every two or three hours. The other thing that that provides is some ease for other caretakers. So when people ask me, how in the world are you here at this conference with 10 children at home? Um, I try not to, to chuckle, but I do find myself wondering if they realize that I am married and that my husband is a very good father and he is invested and involved and is a very proficient caretaker of our children. So the first answer to that question always is if you are somewhere, well, if your spouse and father and caretaker of your children is at home, then they are well cared for, right? And then also we have older children who are able to help out with certain things. Now, they don't stand in the place of caretaker. They're not responsible for their younger siblings in the same way that their parents are. But it is nice because I have a kid who drives who can take his younger sibling to their choir practice if there's a parent out of pocket, who can watch younger children for an hour or two when dad still needs to work. We have three daughters in our middle section of kids, I should say. They're kind of our middle kids. They're 12 and 10 and 10, my other set of twins. And I think what John told me that while I was gone to this last event during the morning, he paid them to help keep an eye on our youngest three. And I was babysitting by the time I was 10, 11, 12. So I thought, great, they made a little bit of extra money. And he was able to get a little bit of work done while he, he works from home. So while he was in the same house as they are, they were the ones that were keeping the eyes on the babies. And then I remember he told me that on Saturday, which is the day I was actually speaking, most of the kids were um, having various activities throughout the day. But again, my driver could drop them off. And so he was the primary caretaker for our kids that day, of course, for our younger children. And then our older kids were going to various activities to Ultimate Frisbee and to a party with friends and to um, various other activities. They were busy pretty much the whole day. So when I say that we have older kids that can pitch in, it's always with the understanding that they are still kids. But it doesn't mean that it's not helpful that you have the option of going to the bathroom and saying, hey, I need to go to the bathroom 
keep an eye on the twins, make sure they don't, you know, tear something up because they are totally in that stage. And that is something that you don't have when you only have young children. So again, I picture people coming to a conference, seeing me there for the amount of time that I'm there. And that, that's another thing. We have to keep in mind that when we're picturing someone doing something that feels like it's probably their everyday life, it's only a snapshot of what it is that they do. So if I'm at a conference, I fly in on a Friday afternoon and I actually fly back on a Saturday evening after I'm done teaching and I get home really late, but I want to be back to my family as quickly as possible. Sunday is our day of rest. I don't want to be gone on Sunday. So even though it means that this past time I got home at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning, we got up and we did children's church the next morning because we were signed up to serve. And that is, that's how we roll. That's, that's what works well for our family. So I really probably you're going to hear the theme from me that be careful not to overlay your own circumstances on someone else's and have that flummox you and make you feel like maybe this shouldn't work for anyone because it doesn't work for where you are in your life. And also to keep in mind that you are looking at only a tiny part of their life and a little portion of the hours that they actually invest in various activities. But for me, primarily with my family as a homeschooling mom. Another thing that I want to revisit because I briefly mentioned it earlier, and I think it's one of the main points that I want to make is that just like it says in Ecclesiastes, there is a season for everything under the sun. And this season that I'm in, and again, I'm using myself as an example because I'm the one being asked these questions and I'm the one um, talking to you in this podcast, but I think Many people could come to our minds and people pop to mind for me as well that I think, man, I'm so impressed by what they're able to cram into their day by the things that they're doing that I'm not doing. And what I've had to learn to remind myself and to exhort myself in is those are the good works that the Lord has prepared for those people to walk in. It is not my responsibility to try to copy paste those good works into my life and end up going around the activities and the priorities and the privileges of responsibility that he has put in my life because I would be much the poorer for it to try to kind of emulate what's going on over here instead of saying, okay, Lord, you've given me this opportunity. It is definitely different than what I've done in the past. It's honestly still surprising to me that I have this ability to do these speaking engagements, to do the merch tables, because that's something that seemed so unfeasible for so long that it sneaks up on me and I feel myself saying, I can't believe I am doing this now. So let's back up five years. Five years ago, we had just moved in not too long before to the current house that we're in. Sean and I spent two years building this house together and it was quite the labor of love. And we moved in when it was not finished. So five years ago, it was still not finished. We were still working on all of the tasks that were lacking when we moved in. And I had seven children, 11 years and under. I definitely was not in a position where traveling instead of working on our house and homeschooling and being a mom primarily and almost exclusively was the way things needed to be. If we were to fast forward another three or four years, I had even younger children, fewer of them, but still somewhere in the five to six range. 
I was writing a blog, but that's something that I could do from home. That's something I could fit into my spare time. I certainly was not traveling. And I will tell you that around that time, I attended a blogging conference and they had writing agents and editors there. And I had had a dream in my heart to be published one day since I was six, seven, eight years old. And I was probably, I was probably 31, 32 at that point. And I was very interested in writing a book, but the Lord just kind of kept pulling the reins in my heart and saying, you are not in the right place to do this. You don't quite have your voice yet. You don't quite have your message yet. You don't have the freedom to put the time into this without it being a source of stress for your family primarily as opposed to a source of blessing, which is something that it has become, I will say. And so part of it is just listening to the Holy Spirit and the checks that he places in your heart for those seasons when it's not the right time. And so there were some writing agents at this conference and they said, hey, this new name of yours, Emma's for Mama, that's a really marketable name. That's a great name, which is funny because if you listen to the first ever podcast that I published, it's an explanation of why I chose the name Emma's for Mama. And it was a heart message, not a marketing message at all. I didn't actually think at the time that it would be marketable in any way. It was just clearly the message that the Lord had for me for a blog and the reminder that I needed in my own heart for my professional focus to be on excellent motherhood rather than on any external pulls and tugs and desire for success in the world's view, because I definitely felt that being a mama and doing it well was successful and the best form of success in my primary season of motherhood that I could ever claim. Now I say in my primary season of motherhood, it's never going to change that being an excellent mama as unto the Lord is a form of success, whether the world ever acknowledges it or not. But I think that there are again seasons, and I'm talking to you about that concept right now, where you are so in the trenches that that is where you have to be the most invested and the most diligent and the most consistent to dig in even when it's really, really hard. So even though people were telling me, your name is really marketable, I'd love to have an email exchange with you, I'd love to jump on a Zoom call with you, I didn't follow up on any of those leads because there was something in my heart saying, not yet. If you were to fast forward, I feel like I'm doing this in a confusing way because instead of going forward into the season that I am now, I'm going backwards to kind of peel away layers of ability to do this, to show you that this is absolutely not the um, scenario that has been normal for my life as a mama, as a wife, as a Christian educator, as a homeschooler. And so peel back another layer of uh, maturity in my kids and we're getting back into the 28 range. I have three small children. My oldest child at that point is four and a half. We actually had built our first DIY house a couple of years before that. We are in an incredibly busy season. I am soon to be pregnant with my first set of twins. We had we we're going to add on to that house. So lots of lots of manual labor, lots of um, bottom wiping, lots of ABC teaching, lots of just young married young children life living happening there. Rewind just a couple more years and you get all the way back to my earliest days as a mama where I had two little boys 18 months apart and I had actually written a novel and was trying to shop that novel around and that was kind of the first moment where the Lord tugged on my heart and said, I know you really want to do this, but it's not time. And it also wasn't a good book. So 
So that was that was a that was a whole other thing. But this thing that you're pushing for is and that you're spending time on and that you're frustrated that your children are taking you away from is drawing your attention away from your primary calling and your primary season of motherhood. So if we and we've now walked back 14, 15, 16 years through kind of the different stages of the Lord preparing me for the stage that I'm in now where I do have more help at home that's built in. I do have a husband who is very supportive and very encouraging. And there have been times when he's been much more reticent, you know, and said, Oh, I don't know. I don't think that right now in our current season with the level of stress that we have and the level of responsibilities that we have, that this would be a good choice. And I've always agreed with him. It's always very much so lined up in my heart that regardless of my emotional desire to reach this dream of wanting to be published, that it was clear that the Lord was saying, not yet, not yet, not yet. So when I got asked this several times this past weekend, like, how is it that you're here? I just wanted to smile and give that woman a hug and say, I am here by the grace of God who was kind enough to tell me no for many, many years and gave me the wisdom to listen to that no, and gave my husband the wisdom to encourage me in sticking to that no, even when I got offers that sounded tantalizing. And I will tell you this, even gave me the grace of not presenting me with, quote, offers I couldn't resist. Meaning a talk with an agent is one thing, but an email from a publisher that just is gonna give you a publishing contract when that is the desire of your heart in addition to many other desires of my heart, yes, but that is one of the deep-seated desires of your heart and the closest thing to a, quote, dream I think I have ever had in my heart. Um, if a publisher were to have put a contract in front of me and said, hey, write a book for us, that would have been so tempting. And that did not happen in those 15 or so years that I was first a mama. And I'm grateful for that, even though it didn't feel good at the time to not have those offers. I think it was very much so the Lord's plan. So I want to encourage you. If you have a dream in your heart, if you have quote goals, if you have a desire to move forward in a particular area, if you'd love to have more freedom, more ability to have a ministry, more ability to do things outside of your home, more opportunities to quote, make an impact. I want to encourage you that if you don't have any of those things yet, and you're praying about them and you genuinely feel like those desires come from the Lord, the answer may not necessarily be no. The answer may be not yet. Now, I cannot guarantee you that the answer isn't just no. There are absolutely things in my life that I have thought were the way to go that the Lord made very clear that I had my priorities off or at the very least I needed to recalibrate and redirect and trust his will. And anytime I was stubborn to force those situations or try to make them happen, they almost always ended in more stress for our family and more strife and it was never worth it. So if we were to then fast forward, back forward again, jump through the years to age 36, I believe is correct. Age 36, when I actually did receive an email in my inbox from Heather, who is now my publisher at Harvest House Publishers, 
saying, hey, I've been following you for a long time. I see that you have this desire to write. I really resonate with what you're saying about motherhood. We've had children at the same time. I would love to talk to you about writing a book. And that that has now come to fruition in MS for Mama. And then my book that's coming out in the fall. And then we actually have a three book deal. So there will be another one 18 months later. That blows my mind, by the way. That's just such an incredibly sweet, kind blessing from the Lord that I kind of still pinch myself and go, how in the world is this how you answered that dream after so many years where this is crazy? So when you hear me saying that it has taken a long time to get to this point, please understand that I'm talking about 15 to 20 years of time. When you hear me saying that this is a season for me in which I find myself sort of unusually able to have more freedom outside the home for short periods of time. Please understand that that is 15 to 20 years in the making. When you hear me say what you're seeing right now is not representative of my life throughout the week, please understand that that is not humble bragging. Most of my days are spent with my family doing extremely mundane things like making dinner, teaching fractions, reading aloud to my kids while they fold laundry, taking them to their appointments and their practices, dropping them off at homeschool co-op and going and teaching fitness classes, answering emails, meeting deadlines. Those things are not glamorous. And so many of the things we see in other people's lives that we kind of can't seem to match up with our own realities, we tend to paint a layer of glamour over that we shouldn't because if we were actually sitting there beside them making those deadlines while a toddler climbs on their laptop and, you know, makes keystrokes all all over their, their email to make it make absolutely no sense. When we see them holding a baby on their hip while they stir a pot of soup, and we when we see them actually kind of doing their daily lives, we're reminded of the reality that no one gets more than 24 hours in the day. No one is teaching fitness classes while teaching fractions, while answering emails, while running a merch table. We only ever get blocks of time in which to do one, maybe two things. And honestly, as much as I love a good multitasking session, if I can pull it off, is that I do so much better when I focus on whatever activity it is I'm doing in that moment to do it excellently or with attention and diligence than when I'm trying to keep all these plates spinning. So that would be another thing that I would encourage you in. If you observe someone in a particular stage of life where it seems like they have a lot of things going on, keep in mind that even if they seem to have a lot of plates spinning, very likely they are spinning those plates one at a time, an hour at a time. They are being diligent to split up their schedules in such a way that allows them to move from one thing to the next to the next. They may not be getting as much sleep as they like or should which is sometimes the case for me and something that I'm working on. But I, I do think in the same way that like the example that I gave of taking, you know, 10 toddlers to the park or clipping 10 toddlers fingernails, we picture someone doing all of these things at once and we can't imagine how they could possibly have enough time in the day. And the answer is they don't. They only have the same time that we have and they have to parcel out their activities and their responsibilities in the same way that we do. And one of the last things that I want to point out is that for everything you see someone doing that you wish you could figure out how to fit into your day, 
it is very likely that they have said no to a lot of other things, quite possibly things that you are able to say yes to in your current stage of life. There is something that I've been wanting to do for years. I used to volunteer at a pregnancy resource center and I have been wanting to get back into that for years. And the schedule just hasn't particularly worked out for me to be able to go for the hours that they have available and for my homeschooling schedule, because so much of what I do at home allows for a flexible schedule. The reason that I can do these podcasts is that my kids are at homeschool co-op on Tuesdays when I record podcasts and then my little bitties are down for naps. And that's when I record podcasts every single week. And that's how this is able to happen. If it were willy-nilly all over the place, it just wouldn't happen. I have to plan for that. So in the same way that I have to plan for podcasts, which I can do from my own home, I especially have to plan for a um, pregnancy resource volunteering schedule that takes place during a time when my husband is working. So just recently, that desire in my heart kind of surfaced again. And I thought, you do not have time for this. You have, you know, so many things that are already taking those pockets of time that you do have available. Why are you even considering this? And each time it has surfaced again, again, I felt the Lord saying like, pray for them, support them financially, talk about them on your blog, but maybe don't go physically. And just this last Sunday, they had a booth at our missions weekend at our church and I talked to them and I realized that they might have a slot in their schedule that I could do every other week. And so I'm praying about it. I'm talking to my husband about it. We'll see how it goes. But I want to give you that example as something that is a good thing. It is a thing that could be genuinely helpful to others and yet it is something that I have not been able to make work for my family's schedule because of when those hours have been available for a long time since I did it years ago when my uh, first set of twins were babies. So hopefully that's something that the Lord allows me to work in my schedule. I think I hear him starting to say this might work for you now. And yet I wouldn't have thought that the yes would start to come in my current level of responsibilities that I have. So in addition to being willing to say no to good things, I think it's important to also just stay in tune with the Holy Spirit because he may bring some unexpected yeses when they don't even seem to make sense. And then you realize, oh, this is working out because of these factors. I do feel like I'm in a place of having more kind of mental capacity for this, even if I don't have a lot of extra time. So just that as an example that the Lord is capable of surprising us with his yeses as much as we're probably not surprised about the times where we just absolutely have to say no. I cannot lead that small group even though it would be a fun experience. I should not be the co-op leader even though I have the gifts of leadership. I'm sorry I can't do that organizational job for you even though I love organizing and I would be great at it. Just because we are good at something does not mean that it's the right season in which to be exercising that gift. So hopefully you're able to take from those specific examples and kind of my own story and encouragement that the Lord really is directing our paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on on your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. That does not mean that your path will look like somebody else's. It doesn't mean that you won't feel confused 
by what they're doing versus what you're doing. And then I've talked about the comparison trap before that it can also produce superiority. I really encourage you as well that if you have a capacity for something in your current season, not to despise someone else's lack of capacity in their current season, because there can always be the flip side of this. You may be approached by someone that says to you, I just don't know how you quote do it all, which is a phrase that I feel like is thrown around so freely, so much so that it's lost its meaning because the fact of the matter is no one quote does it all. There are always gaps. There are always things you have to limit. There are always failures. There are always weaknesses. And so what you really are should be asking someone is, how is the Lord uniquely gifted to do, to do the things that you're doing in this season well? And that's way wordier than how do you do it all? But it also is a more honest question and it produces less envy or superiority. Instead, we're able to say, Lord, you have that person where they are for a reason. I pray that you would bless her efforts in this in this stage that she's in to be productive, to be honoring to you. Um, and I pray that you would bless me with those same things. That kind of prayer for others will always produce more peace in our hearts, less envy, more willingness to cheer people on and less propensity for questioning what the Lord has for us or for being upset if someone else has a different scenario. I really encourage you to trust the Lord in everything that you do and to trust that he will bring the things that you need to be doing in the time that you need to be doing them and that there is an opportunity to rejoice with others in their seasons instead of feeling frustrated by them and to take comfort in the fact that like Philippians 2.13 says, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Friends, keep seeking his good pleasure and his will and you will be able to enjoy confidence that whatever stage he has you in, it is exactly where you need to be. If you guys enjoyed today's program, I would be so honored if you would subscribe and share with others. And if you're looking for more daily content on motherhood and biblical responses to cultural issues, you can follow along on Instagram at m.is.for.mama.